Um, the big idea is this. We worship a God who multiplies. Multiplication. He multiplies. He loves us to multiply. So we're going to explore multiplication and growth and multiplication in a couple of ways. In fact, three ways um, this morning in particular. And I hope as I'm saying multiplication, for some of you, you're thinking about different parts of the Bible around multiply. So there are three areas we're going to look at, um, which does include the amazing phrase, go forth and multiply this morning. <laughs> That's right, Diane, you can smile. It's all good. Um, go forth and multiply. In fact, we follow and uh, worship a God who multiplies, and we have an enemy that likes to divide. That's the essence of this morning's talk. If that's enough for you, that's great. You can now switch off uh, until a bit later. Uh, he multiplies. God loves to multiply, and we have an enemy that likes to divide. Um, so Jerry is the best multiplier of our little team. Uh, the girls are doing a great job of multiplying scrappy stuff into stuff to play with and that are fun. Uh, and if I got my bubbles out, bubbles out, um, pepper pig bubbles, frozen bubbles, and just bubbles, uh, it's turning a little solution to something that's fun. So multiplication is fun, good, enjoyable. That's what God has for us. Uh, at least we hope so. Um, so there are three ways to think about it this morning in terms of multiplication. Um, and the first will be about what we want God to multiply in our lives. And I will be asking you in sort of pairs or trios in a few moments just to think about what you want God to multiply in your life. I'll give you some hints and clues if you're not sure. But in a few moments' time, it's just a little bit of discussion where you are. What do you want God to multiply in your life? That's giving you the heads up in a few moments. What do you want him to be multiplying? Bubbles? Joy. Let's see where he takes us. So um, there's a story in the Bible when Jesus was calling his first disciples where they went out for um, a bit of a fish. They were, they were fisher people, fishermen. In fact, they were men. I don't need to be too politically correct. They were fishermen. Um, and off they went in their boats, Peter, Simon, and so on. Uh, and they went out all night fishing. Do you remember this story at all? Just fishing all night, and they caught, how much did they catch? Niada, nothing, nil, null, zilch, zero. Not one fish. Bad day. Bad day for the fishermen. Uh, and Jesus said to them, after a night of fishing, they're tired, sweaty, fed up, bored. Have you ever been tired, fed up, bored, sweaty? Tired, fed up, bored. You can be sweaty as well, right? Just tired, fed up, bored. Like they've been at, at this work all night, nothing. They've got nil point, nothing at all to show for it. And Jesus, who was, what was Jesus' trade? He was not a fisherman, he was a carpenter. He says, I've got a great idea for you. Let down the nets over there and you're going to catch an amazing load of fish. Have you ever had like wise advice from somebody who knows not what they do? Yeah, it's quite annoying, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can just imagine this idea of a, of a carpenter telling a fisherman how to catch fish on the boat. Mm, quite annoying, uh, potentially. But because they were um, the disciples, they were the chosen disciples to come, um, they did let down the net and caught on a massive, huge, um, I nearly said barrel load, a net full of fish huge net full of fish. And in fact, that prompted many of those disciples then to follow Jesus. And I think in many ways, Jesus is the same with us. There are things that we want to hopefully receive and achieve in our lives. We could work at it. I'll tell you in a moment, we do sometimes need to work at it. Um, but in fact, without him at work in our lives, we don't really catch much. We don't get the 
multiplication. You might catch a fish or two, and I'll turn the fish into something more useful in a minute. Unless you're fishermen, are you? No, no. Anybody a fisher person? Does anybody go fishing? No. So we're not fishermen now, are we? Um, but we are called to grow things in our lives. So there are things we need to do. I'll come on to that in a minute. But without Jesus at work, we catch nothing. And uh, I think there's something here for us this morning about seeking him, his, his spirit this morning, the power of his spirit, to create what is equivalent of letting down a net in our lives and pulling out like more fish equivalent, more things than we can ever imagine. Wouldn't that be great? So you can sort of see where I'm going. I I hope the thing you want to multiply in your life isn't fish, literally. If it is, well, bless you for the fish, right? But there's stuff in our lives that we'd love to see multiply or that God would have us multiply this morning that I don't think is fish, I think. But it's lots of other good stuff. This is all priming you for your own chats in a moment. Um, he will say, I hope he says this to you this morning, the equivalent of let down your nets over here. And you'll be like, what do you know about my life, Jesus? He's going to say everything. What do you know? You're a carpenter. You're, what do you know? He knows everything. He's going to say, let down the nets, or whatever that is. And up will come, hopefully, we'll pray for, um, a multiplication of what he wants in our lives. And there's a really great um, parable in Mark chapter 4. Shall we read Mark chapter 4? We're going to. <laughs> or a bit of Mark chapter 4, um, which may, I hope, sound familiar to some of you. Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark chapter 4. As Jesus is teaching people, um, he uses this parable about um, sowing in a field. Again, we're not really close to sowing. I don't think we have any... Um, agricultural farmers here either. It's a very agricultural time. Um, so Jesus used what was there. And he began to teach the crowd. And there's a huge crowd that had gathered around him, which was so large he got in a boat and sat out in a lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them this. He said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seeds. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked all the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60 or even 100 times, a story that I hope many of you will find familiar. It's the multiply bit that really jumped out at me as I was thinking about this morning. The 30, 60, 100 times multiplication. This is what God does. He takes our little bits and bobs. He takes a seed of his word, maybe one phrase even this morning, one word this morning, or one little moment, and he multiplies it into something that is him, of him, his words. I'd love that for us this morning, just a word or two or a thought or two or hopefully some other stuff I'll lead you towards in a moment that he just takes and multiplies in our lives this morning. Are you beginning now to think about what you'd like him to multiply in your life? Have you got some ideas? I'm not asking for feedback yet, just a little bit of body language, a little bit of, got one or two ideas, 
Some ideas over here, well done. Okay, good. We'll keep going then until you've got more ideas. I need some positive nodding. Uh, if you want me to move on, a bit of uh-huh will go quite well. All right, so let's try one more idea then as we think about what God wants in our personal lives. And there's more to come, don't you fear, um, is this. I love the idea. Uh, in fact, I love the whole story of the church in Corinth. It's a really um, lively place, let's call it that. I mean, there was sex, drugs, rock and roll in that city at the time, um, like a really exciting place to be. It might not be the right adjective. It was lively, quite exciting, uh, lots going on. Uh, and uh, God, through, the, through Paul and some of the early apostles, planted a church there, and they were buzzing. It was a lively church. What do you think would be going on in a lively church in our context now? Phil would be speaking, all right, <laughs> lively. Uh, what else is going on in a lively church? Singing, dancing. Waving hands, okay, I'm sure they did a bit of that, yeah, aren't we so British? Yeah, okay, good. There was prophecy, like people were shouting out prophetic words, God's doing this over here and he's going to do that over there. Uh, there was um, tongues being spoken a lot, it was a loud, bubbly, exciting place to be, there were people being healed, um, lots of things going on, I mean, fan fantastic, looked really, really great. And yet, what does Paul write to them in 1 Corinthians 13? It's a really famous passage. If ever you've been to a wedding, it's likely been used in a wedding. It was never actually meant for a wedding, as it happens. It's a great passage for a wedding, but it was never meant for a wedding. The idea of 1 Corinthians 13, do you know what that's all about? Love. It's all about love. Let's, think, let's hear about this. So this, the context to this letter is a buzzing, lively, thriving, exciting church. Loads and loads of things going on. Uh, and Paul says this, without love, it's all a waste of time. That's my paraphrase. Without love, is nothing. Uh, love is, here's some clues as to what God wants to multiply in our lives, some clues. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Remember, this is to a church that was quite proud. They were, they were like buzzing. Um, love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Has anybody wronged you in your life? Yes, they have. You don't need to tell me that. Um, do you keep a record? Oh, yep. <laughs> Next marriage course, bring it up. Uh, keep a record of those wrongs. Right? We don't do that. That's what God's saying not to do. Um, he doesn't, like, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Everything else will cease. But without love, it's pointless. Some really strong clues here about what God wants to multiply in our lives. Are you getting some hints now for you this morning? Just some hints, one or two hints. I've got a few more people nodding. This is good. Okay. In which case, one more idea, and then I'd love you just to discuss, if you're willing, in pairs or trios, if you can, if you can muster the courage to tell somebody next to you, the thing I'd love God to multiply in my life is... That would be awesome this morning. That would be really, really cool. A really great moment. So I know it can take some courage. So the last thought is this. Galatians chapter 5, very well um, preached uh, sermon, gives us some idea about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is like. Because in fact, in our life, we need a few systems and we need the Spirit of God. 
So a system, for example, might be a Bible reading plan. And do you have, do some of you use Bible reading plans? They're good. They can be really good. Uh, so like Bible through a year, or maybe you might read the Gospels in a year or something like that, a plan. You know what a Bible reading plan is? Thank you, Stephanie. You're nodding with enthusiasm. I got a plan. Sometimes they're helpful, sometimes not. But so, right, Bible reading plan. You can have the best plan, the best system, but without the Spirit of God working with you and in you as you're reading the Bible, it's a bit of a waste of time. So you need a bit of both, don't we? In fact, I've encountered one or two people who know the Bible better than most people, but they don't have the Spirit of God in them. So it's all a bit of a strange conversation often. So we need a bit of both. The disciples were on a boat fishing. They, they sort of had to be on a boat fishing, albeit failing at the fishing. But he still needed a boat and a net. And they still let it down. There was still a thing going on. There was a system. And yet Jesus did his thing too. So we need a little bit of both, I think. We come to church. There's a system to this, would you believe? It's called Sundays, 10.30. We kind of come at a time. And we will leave at 12-ish. This will, this will end at 12. That's good news. You need to know that, don't you? For your comfort and safety in this conversation, you need to know this will end. <laughs> it's called a system. Um, but God's work carries on. You get the idea. So we need a little, little, little bit of both. And uh, here's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives takes the little systems that we have, and a system can be getting up in the morning and making a cup of tea and then maybe eating some breakfast maybe eating some more breakfast in my case, and maybe a third, uh-huh, brushing my teeth, getting dressed, going to work, whatever, little systems. It's taking our systems and multiplying those systems into something that's full of his spirit. And what's full of his spirit is this. It's a life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of gentleness, of goodness, of self-control, of the things of him. So again, if you weren't quite sure where I'm trying to get to this morning with what God multiplies, there's a good set of stuff. Wouldn't it be great to leave here with a multiplication of joy, of love, of peace, and so on? Really good. So now this becomes you just to spend a few moments, not long, in pairs or trios with a little bit of courage to tell each other what you would really love God to multiply in your life from this morning, from now. What would you love him to multiply? Agent, just maybe a few minutes of a bit of background. Just tell each other. Maybe pray for each other if you're willing. What do you want them to multiply? And then we'll get on to point two. Okay, the second way I'd like us to think about multiplication is this, and that's multiplying in the community um, and, what, and the church's place in the community. And the idea that uh, really struck me was this, that um, you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? where, and again, Jesus is teaching. There are 5,000 men and a whole bunch of other women and children um, following him. Very exciting moment. I've been following him for a little, little while. Um, just as an aside, what's the longest walk you've walked in recent months? Long walk. Couple of miles. Any advances on a couple of miles? Seven, seven times up and down tower steps. That sounds like seven times round Jericho. Um, really good. Let's, we're going up and around. So we, we just don't walk as much as people used to. That was my point. So they had walked for some days following Jesus. Like I kind of get a bit like I've done a walk. I've done a walk when it's about a couple of miles. Yeah. Um, but they had walked and walked. So they were probably a little bit hungry. 
Um, I, I'll be hungry after this. This is half an hour. Hungry. Uh, they'd walk days and hungry. Um, and of course, uh, they, they sat down to eat and there's no food. This, this is the story that you know until um, a young chap who I imagine is a little ginger boy for reasons I can't think, um, sort of arrived with his, his packed lunch, five loaves and two fish, and Jesus turned that into uh, what was essentially um, not just a basic, we're having a little bit of bread for lunch, like a decent lunch for everybody there, very good. So Jesus multiplied, didn't he? He multiplied the food. As he, this, the image that is evoked from that story is as he's breaking bread, it just goes on and there's 12 baskets left over. They'd eaten as much as they needed to eat and still had loads left, which is a pretty good effort from nothing. Multiplied, massive multiplication example, one we're reasonably familiar with. But I kind of got to thinking like, so we, we know that Jesus creates literal food. We're happy with that. There's no, there's no trick in that question. We, like he made actual food somehow out of nowhere. It does evoke a bit of the Old Testament journey out of slavery, by the way, but we're not dwelling quite on that. Uh, But it got me thinking because um, the early church had this moment in Acts that we're just going to spend a few minutes on, um, where there were widows and orphans that had no food. And part of the early church was the equivalent of a food bank. And in fact, they organized themselves slightly differently, didn't they? I just wonder, because the apostles here in Acts, would have seen Jesus breaking bread. Some of them were literally there as Jesus fed people on the hillside with the five loaves and two fish. And yet here we are in Acts chapter 6, where um, there's, a, there's a bit of an argument in the church. Who'd have thought? A little bit of conflict and argument in the church. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian, people from Greece are called what? Greeks. Grecians, Grecans, Grecians, Grecian urns, Grecian people, I'm going with Sally. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Um, Again, you might remember some of this. This is where deacons got appointed to help with the distribution of food. The apostles are doing the um, overseeing stuff. Now we need people practically to do the food stuff. So the 12 apostles, remember that they had seen, most of them had seen Jesus breaking bread. Literally, a little while ago. It wasn't donkey's years ago. Maybe a year. Maybe two. Not decades. They'd been on the hill. And Jesus was doing this and making things happen like, wow. Yet here they are faced with essentially food bank needs. Uh, so they gathered all the disciples together and said, it's not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word, da, da, da. We need to choose seven men from among you who do basically do the food bank. I wonder why they weren't trying to break bread like bread, like Jesus had done. I wonder if they tried it. Maybe they had. They were waiting for the miracle, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't say they were. I just think, like, They got practical quite quickly. And yet, actually, the need for food was met. And I think there's something for us as a community here. Sometimes, rightly, I think, sometimes, we wait for a miracle. And good that we do. I'm not at all against those supernatural moments. And rightly, there's just as much of a miracle in meeting the food bank-type need, in this example, um, practically. It would have required... 
I presume, some generosity, some risk, some courage. I'm not going to eat this because I'm going to give it to them. Uh, We had this week one day lockdown, sort of. It wasn't quite lockdown, was it? But one day. Did you stay mostly at home? Yeah, Dan might, did you go out, Dan? No, no okay, stay mostly at home, right? So Wednesday into Thursday, mostly at home. And still the shelves were bare. <laughs> I made me smile, I couldn't help it. So one, one of my colleagues went to get some groceries on the way home on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, she sent three photos. I was going to display them. Just empty shelves, if you saw them. Empty shelves. Quick, get in the toilet paper, get in the pasta, ship in the soup. <gasps> one day, people, one day. <laughs> Toilet paper, donuts. What if we're going to run out? Fill up the car. <laughs> one one day of storm, shelves are bare. Uh, and I think there's something quite miraculous in the midst of scarcity, as the early church were experiencing. There, people were being killed for the faith. I mean, it doesn't get much more scarcity than that. That the quite natural human instinct to empty the shelves into my larder. That's an old word, into my fridge. Um, in fact, is something, there's something miraculous about saying, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to give it to somebody else. Which is essentially what the early church did. And I think there's something really special here uh, for Shiloh and other local churches that is very similar. There are needs in the community. I'm about to ask you to think about them, some of them. And the miracle of miracles, the multiplication happens through the act of the church. In the same way that God multiplies things in our lives through the power of his spirit, he multiplies things in our communities through, the, through really us acting uh, towards his will. So, I mean, there's no reason for anybody, I'll keep with the food thing for a moment and then expand it. There's no reason for anybody to be hungry in Guernsey, is there? Really? There's no reason, no good reason, but some are for reasons that I won't, you know, um, we keep it. Um, So if the church acts in a way that is God's way, not hoarding and emptying the shelves for one day lockdown um, and buying all the toilet paper (laughs) or whatever else you bought, but thinking actually there are people out there that need some help, that's, that's kind of God at work, isn't it? And that's how he multiplies himself in the communities. There are loads of ways he does this. I'd love you to think about what our particular community of Guernsey needs. In this setting, what does it need? There might be practical needs like food. It might be more, you might think, more sort of cultural or spiritual needs, like wisdom would be one quite at the top of my list. It'd be great to see some wisdom in our island. Maybe it's something about generosity. It's a financially orientated place. Maybe other things. But again, just in a few moments, give yourselves a minute or two, a few more minutes, just to think, really, what do you think Jesus wants for our community? I'm not yet asking you to solve the problems, although if you have ideas, that's great. But what does he want in our community? What does he want to multiply in Guernsey? Are you happy with the question? What do you think? As you're chatting, what do you think God wants to multiply in our community? All right, a few minutes, off you go, have a little chat together. Okay, hopefully you've got one or two ideas. I'd love you to add these sorts of ideas that are bubbling up, if you're willing, into your prayer, if I say systems, into your prayer life, just the things that you're praying for. Because as God's sort of saying, look, maybe we need some wisdom. There's a couple of things I'm going to pray for in a minute. Maybe we need some wisdom. Um, Weave that into your prayers. 
and just allow these things to bubble up and see. Let's look forward to God multiplying these things. I'm going to pause now before point three. There's another point to come. Don't get excited. One more to come. Um, but I, I'm going to specifically pray um, for wisdom in the community and more compassion, if you're happy with that. So we're going to pause just for 30 seconds and pray for those things. So Lord Jesus, we, we know that you, your heart for our island is bigger than ours. You love this place. You love people. You love the people. But we recognize that it's not ideal. So we just pray, Lord, that you would multiply wisdom in our community. Wisdom is making good choices, morally good choices, healthy choices. We pray for more wisdom. And second, we pray for more compassion over consumption. We consume too much. We just pray that you'd replace consumption with compassion, a heart for others that then acts for the good of other people. Multiply wisdom, Jesus, we ask, and multiply compassion in our island. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right, third point. You ready for three? And this is the last point. Three, a short one. Uh, I think sometimes God does things uh, multiple, like he, he places multiplication in a specific way for people. Uh, and at this point, I'm thinking about the wider world, uh, that sort of reaching others um, beyond our immediate shores. Um, so are you familiar at all? I couldn't find the research. Are you familiar at all with this idea that we influence others and they, they then pass on that influence? So it goes a bit like this. Um, if you're kind to somebody, they're more likely to be kind to somebody else who then is more likely to be kind to somebody else. The, the uh, reverse goes the same way too. So a, a slight aside story, because I've got a minute for it. Um, sometimes I park my car in an impatient way. So um, you know where the Albert Pier is? You know the Albert Pier? You're going to boo me in a minute. The Albert Pier. So you can drive onto the Albert Pier, and it goes in what I think is the most inefficient, ridiculous loop. Because so, you're driving up one side, and everyone's waiting for car parking space on one side. And there's loads over there. It's just that you can't get over there. Oh, you know this, Anne. You can't get over there because everyone's waiting for space here. I'm like, over there, over there, there's three, four. So as you're driving in, there's a little yellow line. On the, <laughs> the it, like you can sort of go against the yellow line. <laughs> well, it's technically possible. It might not be allowed. Um, so once in a while, if there's a space on the right-hand side, right at the end of the right-hand side, you know where I am. I can see you know where I am. I will turn right and scoot into it. If it's on the edge, if it's on the edge, because there's nobody coming, I think. Uh, and I lord pop. <laughs> Lovely, parked, right? So that's called impatient parking. Um, and, well, the other day, just the other day, uh, I, I pulled this little manoeuvre, very pleased with myself, until a car came down at some speed uh, from the top of the right-hand side, um, presumably anticipating their ability to park in the space that I was now manoeuvring into. And uh, it was driven by, let, how can I describe him? An enthusiastic but somewhat angry gentleman <laughs> who I think was telling me that I'd either parked in his space twice. Um, <laughs> he might have been telling me to flip 
my, I don't, flip off, or I don't, no, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, like, and he was raring. I mean, he was mad. The window was down. It was like, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and he, like, he sped off at some speeds. I thought, oh, um, eek. Uh, oh, I hope I don't see him in town now. <laughs> it's all a bit awkward, uh, more than a little bit awkward. And so, in fact, that affected my mood as it would. I'd clearly affected his mood in not a particularly helpful way. Impatient parking, tut, tut, tut. Uh, now, the reverse is just as equally true, of course, right? So if we are sharing the love, if we're sharing God's love in some way, shape, or form, in very normal, practical ways, here comes an annoying person who's going to park in my space, but I might smile and wave with my palm of my hand, not the rear of a couple of fingers. I might just smile and wave. Smile, smile and wave. You have the space after you, sir. Um, that might create a slightly different impact. Well, in fact, my favourite is coffee baristas. They get treated so poorly. Um, Where's my coffee? Give me my coffee. Um, I chat them up because they're my drug dealers, of course. So like, you've got to keep your drug dealers on site. Um, like, just a nice interaction with somebody can go a long way. Sometimes that, I think, is uh, important. I'd like to take that idea, though, beyond just our day-to-day interactions. Because I think there might just be a handful of us in the, in the room this, this morning where God is saying, I'd like that idea to multiply beyond just our immediate community. How can I get out of this island and take the Spirit of God to where he would want me to be? Specific, something specifically. There are a few people around that do that, aren't there? They're kind of called into something specific. Let's go beyond our immediate shores. And in fact, as I was thinking about this, uh, that's in two, two ways. And the first is the idea of faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, Jesus said, there's a song, I won't sing it. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. In other words, mustard seeds are tiny. That's all you need. Tiniest, tiniest piece of faith. Tiny. And he will multiply it beyond something that you could imagine. Uh, And you may be here this morning thinking there is just this tiniest glimmer, tiniest glimmer of faith, or tiniest, like, half an idea, little tiny thing. So I just keep saying tiny. It's small, like it's a little thing, minute. But God's put it there. It's a seed that he's planted. And maybe this is the morning where you take that tiny little seed and let him multiply it. That might take some action. That might need a like, do you know, I am going to do something with this now, <gasps> whatever this is. But I was thinking of it as not for Guernsey, whatever this is. Even if it's only one person. This tiny little idea. Don't let it get washed around with the stuff of life. Stuff of life happens, it's good. We have them, it's all great. And yet he plants these tiny little seeds. They're called mustard seeds of faith. And he does the multiplication, and he asks us to be on the boat. I'm now mixing my stories. He says, get on the boat. Maybe literally get on the boat. I hadn't thought about it. Maybe it's literally get on the boat, and this tiny seed is going to explode. I don't know. How, how can I make my words better? I can't. But there's, I'm sure that there's something for a handful of us this morning where God is saying, that tiny little seed, 
is the beginning of something explosive that you can't imagine. Why do I know this? If we look at Genesis chapter 1, and this is, I just love Genesis, you know. Uh, God's creating the world out of nothing. Love it. Um, and he creates the birds and the fish in the sea, and he says, go and multiply. This is before he's made people. Been watching some David Attenborough stuff lately. It's great. Um, humans are terrible at scooping the fish out of the sea, aren't we? But like, the, God wants them to multiply. The fish, the fish, <coughs> the fish. Back to fish, I don't know why. A few verses later, it's then the people go and multiply. He loves us to multiply. It's not just about having babies. It is a bit, but it's multiplication. Multiplication of him. I'll take your tiny little seeds of faith, multiply. He loves it. I'd love it this morning if somebody's thinking, Gina, that is me. Uh, There's something here that God has planted that might be getting a bit disguised by the stuff of life. Maybe this is the moment where uh, we need to replant or just let that seed go. So uh, for that, with that specific thing in mind, before I call the band back, I'm going to ask us just to all pause uh, and pray um, for a moment. Uh, and I might even ask, if, it is, if this really is you, that you just stick your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to stand and cartwheel, but just a little hand raise would be fine as we're pausing and praying if this is resonating with you. So let's just, uh, let's just close our eyes, pray for a couple of secs, and then the, the uh, band will come back. God, thank you that you ask us all and each to multiply. Every single person in this room this morning can take this idea away. And thank you, Lord, too, that you call some of us specifically to specific things. You plant that mustard seed in us. And then you let it explode and multiply it. So if this part you think is for you, just raise your hand now whilst we're all eyes closed. And we're going to get quite specific. All right, thank you. There's a couple up. That's great. Anybody else? Thank you. It's three. All right, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Even for those that might be thinking about this and haven't raised their hands, that's fine. We thank you, Jesus, that you take what you have planted and that you multiply it. It's your Holy Spirit that makes the multiplication. We pray, Jesus, for these particular people that you would inject both courage and wisdom to now act. If it is about literally getting on a boat, then great. If it's making a phone call, then great. But to take the next step in what you have for them to multiply your will, Lord, in this world. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give courage and wisdom this morning. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen.